The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Good morning. The scripture for today is Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. If you are reading from the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, it is on page 775. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the... sorry, donkey, and the colt, (laughs) and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is God's word. You may be seated. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. For those of us who grew up in a church tradition where uh, there was maybe a bit more of a liturgical nature to the calendar, what you will know is that this is the beginning of what is traditionally called Holy Week. If you did not grow up in that kind of church tradition, what you need to know is that today, Palm Sunday, is traditionally the beginning of what we call Holy Week. And so this is what we're going to be doing for today, Friday, and on Sunday. We're going to be looking at Palm Sunday today. We're going to be gathering to remember what Christ accomplished uh, on the cross this coming Friday. Again, I'd highly encourage you to come. It's going to be a time where we just simply read through Matthew's account of the passion of Christ intermixed um, with songs pointing us to the cross. And that's going to be it. It's going to be a solemn time. It's going to be a time to remember and a time to reflect the reason why Christ went to the cross. It was not because of anything he had done. He's the perfect spotless lamb of God. It was all because of your sins and my sins. And then a week from today, we will come and we're going to blow the roof off the joint. Um, It's going to be a resurrection party. And so my hope is that you will come and that you will sing loud and that you will celebrate that uh, there is no Palestinian grave with the bones of a man named Jesus in it um, because he has walked out of that grave. And we're going to celebrate that, okay? Now, the danger that we could potentially have in a week like this, the Holy Week, is we go, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that. If you grew up in church for a while, you might go, yeah, the triumphal entry. We get it. Donkeys, cloaks, palm leaves, hosannas in the bit. We get it. He died. We get it. He resurrected. And the uh, familiarity that we have with these things can sort of dampen the sharpness 
of Holy Week. And so I'm going to pray that that is not the case. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would do what the prophet Zechariah encourages us to do in verse 5 when he says, Behold your king. Behold your king. A good question to ask yourself is this. As I go about these days, as I specifically head into Holy Week, what am I beholding? What captures my heart's attention? What captures the attention of my mind? Zechariah is going to encourage us to behold the one worthy of being beheld all times in all places for all eternity. The King of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're going to see Matthew, I think, lay out before us. There is so much going on in the triumphal entry. What we're going to do is zoom in on this main idea that Jesus is the prophesied and promised king. He is the prophesied and promised king, specifically the prophesied and promised king who brings the salvation that you and I need. He's going to come and say, I know what you've been longing for. I know what you've been waiting for. I know what you've been hoping for. I know what you've been looking for. And he is now here. The king has arrived. And so my hope is that we will leave today having not only beheld our king, but we would go out into Holy Week beholding our king so that others might see and hear and know the Christ as well that we are beholding. So let's pray that our attention, our hearts, and our minds will be turned to these verses in such a way where we just see Jesus clearly. What I'm going to pray for is this, is that we would be wowed by the gospel of the cross. Again, the cross and what took place on it can just become so monotonous to us. But I'm going to ask that we would be wowed, amazed. Our knees would buckle a little bit as the Holy Spirit helps us to remember all that took place and accomplished as Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey, only to several days later be hung up on a cross as the sacrifice for our sins. Let's pray for these things, saints. Father, our aim is to see you magnified. We want to see the Son receive the glory he is worthy to receive. And we recognize our need for the Holy Spirit to make these things come to pass. So I'm asking, Father, in your kindness, would you grant for the Spirit to help us to behold this morning. My friends in front of me or anything like me, Father, there are 101 plus things vying for my attention right now, even as I preach, begging me to behold them as opposed to beholding the Lord Jesus Christ. So by your power, Holy Spirit, would you turn our eyes to the Savior? the prophesied and promised king, so that we may behold him and our hearts would be wowed by the gospel, the good news of the cross and all that our Savior King accomplished 
on the cross. Wow us, Holy Spirit. Freshen us, renew us, revive us with the good news of the cross. And may it begin this morning as we turn to your word, O God. It's in the name of King Jesus I pray these things. Amen. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. What you just heard right there are words from a psalm, Psalm 24. And it's a messianic psalm full of shadows that ultimately point forward beyond itself. Psalm 24 is a psalm which invites us to ask one of the greatest questions anyone could ever ask themselves and fight to find an answer to. And it's this question, who is the king of glory? Now, if you leap from Psalm 24 and you zoom forward into Matthew 21... And when we do this, zoom in on these 11 verses here in this gospel, what we discover is that the ultimate fulfillment to the psalmist question. Why? Because in the triumphal entry of Jesus, the messianic shadows of Psalm 24 give way to the substance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you know your Gospels well, what you know is that Jesus' ministry was oftentimes filled with healings, with miracles. But what would often happen from the moment he began to exercise his ministry for about three years, what Jesus would do is he would heal someone and then look at them and say, do not go tell about this event which always lands on us a little weird. Like, well, why? Because the time for his revealing of who he is had not yet come. But when you roll into Matthew 21, that time is no longer a time of waiting. It is the time has come. It is time now to declare openly and broadly without hesitation that Jesus is the prophesied king, Jesus is the promised king. He is the king who brings the salvation that we absolutely need. And so with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what you begin to see is as the king mounts the donkey and rides in, there are attributes of this king that we see all over the place. Attributes of our king of glory are put on display. And when you survey these 11 verses in their entirety, what you see is that the picture of this king of glory is a picture that is absolutely stunning. I think what Matthew is doing among many, many things is he's doing this. He's sitting here, and if you could put arms on Matthew right now, as you ask him, why did you write these 11 verses? He's doing this. He's like, I'm wanting, I'm begging, I'm inviting my audience to come 
and behold their king. He wants us to obey the imperative of the prophet to not just look at the king and stifle a yawn, but to look at the king and to be wowed at who he is, this king of glory. So who is this king of glory that we see here in Matthew 21? First, what we see is this. He's the long prophesied king. He's the long prophesied king. That's what you see in verses 1 through 5. The long prophesied king. Look in your copy of scripture and look at what Matthew begins writing in verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to these disciples, go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. You see, crucial to understanding Resurrection Sunday is understanding the events of Palm Sunday. The culminating event of an empty tomb first began with an event that was planned before the foundation of the world. If you remember back in chapter 16, Matthew told us that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must. It was an absolute divine must. He must go to Jerusalem. And he said, here's why I must go to Jerusalem. I must go in order to suffer I must go in order to be killed, and I must go in order to be raised on the third day. And now, for the first time, at least in Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus in this chapter riding into Jerusalem just as he said he must do. And what you need to know is that as these events begin to unfold before us in this chapter, this chapter, which seems so innocuous, it's just Jesus riding a donkey into a city. But it's actually the watershed moment, I would argue, in God's plan of redemption. The first Palm Sunday was the beginning of a week all of creation had been waiting and groaning and longing for. If you go back as far as the Garden of Eden, if you go all the way back and remember that as a result of Adam and Eve's fall into sin... God made the very first gospel promise in Genesis 3, verse 15, when he looks to the serpent and he says to the serpent these words. This is a gospel promise from Yahweh himself. He says, listen, I will put enmity between you, remember he's talking to the serpent, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, the offspring of the woman, he will crush your head, serpent, and you will strike his heel. Now, the Son of God was ultimately going to fulfill this purpose on the very first Good Friday, crushing the head of the snake by his death and resurrection. And this promise made as far back as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, begins to be fulfilled, writes Matthew, when Jesus and the disciples begin to draw near to Jerusalem, come to a little burb on the outsides of Jerusalem, Jerusalem named Bethphage, and there he is on the Mount of Olives. The unfurling of the Genesis proto-gospel is 
is rolling out before us right now in Matthew 21. The tomb-emptying, snake-crushing, sin-defeating, death-destroying king has come to his city, and he has come in order to inaugurate the climactic week